Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a magical creature that will be joining us. No, he's not a unicorn. He is incredibly unique. You will absolutely love this guy. His name is Tom Black. And he's going to blow your mind. So hang tight with us. We'll be right back. And here we are. Let me bring Mr. Tom Black on the show. Tom, welcome to the show. Are we doing this now? We are. Oh. Hold it. Yeah, yeah. Abby, go ahead and eat. I'll join you later. Okay, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, Victoria, check your email. I sent you an email. So, um, Tom, I started this show. First off, let me say thank you for for being here and, and joining me today. It's an honor to have you on here and a privilege. It's the easiest ten bucks I ever made. I thought I owed you a hundred, but okay, I'll send you ten. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, I started this about three and a half years ago, and I truly believe that most things that humans do is for some sort of selfish reason. Um, I, I, um, I did it for selfish reasons. I was stuck in life and I'm like, I got to have a breakthrough and I can't afford a coach and I got to figure this out. And so, you know what I'll do? I'll just start edifying people, interviewing them and, and somewhere along the way, maybe I'll find my answer. Um, and, and, you know, this has turned into something phenomenal because I've been able to reach a lot of people and help a lot of people get unstuck. And I think you are going to be able to help a lot of people today, man. So, um, why don't, why don't we start with, with where you were born and raised? Um, let's bring the lights in here. Uh, <laughs> I was born at a very early age. Um, that I was born in what became the most dangerous city in the country. Um, East St. Louis, Illinois. Wow. And um, just across the river from St. Louis. And um, I lived there. Uh, my, my dad was a, uh, a mechanic who was in law school. Uh, he married the, uh, the typist uh, who was in his law, who was, who was in uh, the, uh, one of the law firms that uh, he was uh, interning at. She was a immigrant from Italy. And so her mom and dad, uh, her dad had a little shoe repair store in St. Louis, uh, one room, maybe 20 by 30 curtain uh, behind the counter, the shoes you yeah. walk behind the counter, bathtub on the wall. Either one of them spoke English, you know, only Italian. Wow. And um, uh, but we lived in St. Louis for about five years, right behind my grandma's house. And uh, we had nothing. It was it was a typical it was a typical shack. Nothingness. And, yeah. Uh, but my dad was in school. My mom didn't, you know, back then women didn't work. Is and, that the picture you sent me? Yeah. yeah. I could, I could pop that up on screen really and show people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember I'll... looking this good. Huh? I said, I don't remember the house looking this good. You know, 
Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll pop it up here in a second. I'll show yeah. people what, what um, the house was. Yeah, so then, uh, so my dad graduated from law school, went to work for the machinist union as an attorney representing the interests of workers. Mm. And uh, popped around, uh, got transferred four or five times until I was about 10. And uh, yeah, there it is, baby. That's That was my bedroom right to the left of that door. Are you serious? There you go. Which one's the front door? Uh, the one on the right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was painted then, so you know it didn't look quite so bad. Wow. But uh, uh, but it's it's you didn't have any sense of that. We had a swing set. You know, had yeah. Three brothers and sisters. We had a railroad tracks behind. I mean, it's amazing when you think you know we played on the railroad tracks until we heard the train coming. <laughs> it's just hard to believe, you know, what you know. did with your kids. Different times, right? Totally different. Yeah. 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 So that's what I, that's where I came from. So, um, East St. Louis is a, it's a, it's a, it's a rough area, isn't it? Prison now. It, it wasn't like then, like that then. Um, but it became just, wow. uh, like I said, it, it hit for, uh, for many years, it was considered the most dangerous city in America. Good grief. Or town. It's a, really a town, not a city. There's no downtown East St. Louis. Right. Right. So, so, um, you were there, you said for five years Yeah, and, then and, and you said I was born at a very early yeah, yeah. age. <laughs> That's not unique. Um, so, so you were there for five years. Where'd you go from there? We moved, you know, my dad kept getting, he graduated from law school. And so he kept getting transferred by the machinist union to go where they were trying to organize plants. Mm. And so uh, we went to Sedalia, Illinois, and Springfield, Illinois, and uh, okay. one other place. And we finally we got wound up getting transferred up to Chicago, and we moved into the suburbs of Chicago. Not only have we been there ever since, um, but uh, uh, I'm still within two and a half miles of my parents' house where I grew up. Um, wow. My mom's still living there. My dad just died. I run, I run 10 miles a day, so I run through the neighborhoods that I've been running through since I was in high school. Uh, the high school that I went to is is just about a mile over there. Uh, my wow. kids went all to the same high school. Uh, two of my daughters live within a mile of a half, two miles of me with six grandchildren. My son lives another 10 miles away from me with his six grandchildren. They all went to the same high school. So all of our pictures are hanging in the same high school. Oh, my um, God. My wife went to the same high school. She walked into my math class. When I was a sophomore and she was a freshman, she was taking accelerated math. So she walked into my, my school and I was a jock back then. Jocks back then didn't, didn't hang around girls. We just, it wasn't the cool thing. But, uh, but I remember she walked in and I thought, wow, that's just the coolest person I've ever seen. Gorgeous, you know, cute, vivacious. And so um, only girl I ever, ever, ever was in love with, you know. And so wow. uh, she wouldn't talk to me for about six years. So I didn't even actually, didn't actually date her until she was in college. Oh she had a locker next to me in high school. Her name was Brown. So my name was Black. Her name was Brown. And oh she my hated gosh. my guts. She hated my guts. She um, hated you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I became a Christian when I was in college. And so I wound up going to the church that she was in. And I asked her sister uh, uh, when she was a freshman in college. I said, hey, what did Debbie say? Because I saw her in church on Sunday. She was home. What did she say? Did she say anything about me? 
And she said, yeah. She said she wanted to throw up. So <laughs> that that's part of the sort of the, the path I had to go. Oh uh, my gosh. I'll be but you eventually years, married 45 years now. Wow. So you eventually closed the deal. <laughs> yeah, well, but I it was very it was a bit of trickery because what I did is that she, I couldn't get her to hang with me at all. So uh, to show you how sophisticated I was, I went and bought a pair of Marcel Marceau tickets. Um <laughs> Remember Marcel Marceau, the mime? Yes. But I don't I don't get a I don't get a band. I don't get a rock group. I get Marcel Marceau tickets. And that's... then I uh, knock on her door and say, Hey, I've got an extra Marcel Marceau ticket. Would you like to go with me? She said, sure. And so wow. uh uh yeah, so that began, you know, buying her off. Yeah. Wow. And that was in college. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. By me early on, like freshman sophomore year. So, so when, what did you go to college for? What was your, well, it's interesting because I went to university of Illinois. Okay. Uh, and then in my first year I had a, I had a lit class. It, isn't it funny how your life pivots completely changes over, over an encounter, like bumping into somebody at a grocery store in a cart. It's amazing. So, so I had a, uh, I had a world at, world at class as a freshman and yeah. uh, he walked in and back then there was no smoking things, right? So the, the professor was a guy, the big beard, sat in the front of his class in a rocking chair and smoked a big cigar like this every day in class. Oh and uh, he, he wanted us, and we were writing, reading all the existential writers, Camus and Dostoevsky and everything. And, and he wanted us to write a paper on, uh, on why there just wasn't any God. You know, taking the point of these existential writers and make our case along with them on why only the weak, only the weak minded needed a God image in their life. And so, wow. and so uh, I walked out of class, I can still, I walked out of class, walked down the hall, picked up the, the uh, payphone, and I was talking to my 19 year old grandson, Twinja, today, who did not know what a payphone was. <laughs> there you go. So, um, and it's so, I called, I, I had gone to Catholic school for eight years, walked a mile and a 10th every day, back and forth to the school yeah. and uh, walked by a Baptist church every day, halfway at the half mile mark. And so these guys were crazy because they were there all the time. They were, they, they were there on Wednesdays. They were there on Sunday morning. And they yeah. by the church. There were people there. So, um, so I walked out of church, I walked down the hall and walked uh, to the phone and called that church and asked to talk to the guy who's in charge because I thought the way I do this paper is to talk to somebody who's really like a God person and just yeah. crap on them. So, so, uh, so I said, hey, can I come in and talk to you about God? And of course, he goes, oh, yeah, sure. So I go on home and I go <laughs> in and I say, I bring my yellow pad of paper in and, um, and uh, <laughs> he starts taking me, he tosses a Bible in my lap. Which, believe it or not, I was an altar boy for four years. Never even, never even saw a Bible. We 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 didn't use Bibles. The priests used Bibles. Oh, in the Catholic we used Church, missiles. We use catechisms. <laughs> we use stories, but we never you had said a missiles. So so uh, he starts turning me to all these passages, and he's taking me through what I come to understand is what they call the Romans Road or uh, for, for spiritual law, taking me through this experience. Uh, over about a half an hour, I'm reading these Bible verses out loud, and uh, and says at the end of the day, you know, you understand that you need God in your life, and you need to be born a second time, and you need to do this right now. And will you pray for me? 
to accept Jesus in your life. And before you know it, I'm standing on the porch, the back of the church. Nothing's on my pad of paper. I just paid. I just prayed to ask Jesus into my life. And I got a Bible in my hand and I'm supposed to come to church on Sunday. And you are how old? 18. Be oh because when God. I left Catholic school, I basically chucked it all. I yeah, right, right. And uh, so I remember thinking, well, this did not come out anything like I have nothing for my paper. So maybe I'll go to church on Sunday and see what's going on in that. Yeah. I, started, I, I went to church a few times, some hot girls in the congregation. So, you know, I went a few more times. <laughs> and um, the funny thing is, is that I remember what I was driving along a golf course by my parents' house. I can remember what hole I was driving by. It was the 10th uh, hole on this road where all of a sudden I had one of maybe a hundred ahas in my life where I realized just in like that moment that, wow, there was more about this stuff that might be true than might not. And that I better think about it. Um, and the other part about it was all of a sudden my whole life flipped because I realized that if there was anything about this was true, anything about it was true then why would you do anything in your life other than what that was about? And so uh, I, uh, I, I, I enrolled in Trinity College oh, uh, out in Deerfield and, and left uh, U of I and uh, uh, was going after then, uh, I decided I would go into the ministry, wherever that meant. Wow. And, uh, and then I went through that and then went, I was enrolled at Trinity Seminary when I um, uh, uh, got involved with Bill Hybels and Willow Creek and helped then, you know, uh, Willow Creek, you know, kind of find its way. And Willow Creek eventually became the largest church in the world, right? Almost in the beginning. There, 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 there were no big church. Right. When, when we started Willow, the biggest really uh, uh, thing that was going on was um, – Rob Schuler, uh, Bob Schuler's thing out in California. Remember the Crystal Cathedral? Well, before the Crystal Cathedral, he was meeting in a movie. He was meeting in an outdoor drive-in. Yeah. And he had I don't know, a couple wow. thousand people there. And Bill thought that was really a cool thing because we had started Willow in a movie theater. So see, we were wow. inside movie theater. He was doing some unusual things, and uh, uh, and so um, uh, as soon as we had about three or four thousand people. We were the largest church in the country because they, 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 you weren't building mega churches back then. Wow. So by the time we got to 15, 18, 20,000 people, you're on the cover of magazines and stuff. You know, and that was a weird thing because we were all in our 20s. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It was so nuts. did you graduate from Trinity? Oh, no. See, because, oh, oh. yeah, the college, but the, on the seminary side, back then, um, we what we were doing in the church was so avant-garde so different we ripped the pulpit off the stage we took the organ off the stage we took the choir out we we were the first church in the world to have drama on the stage we, we were the first group to call the uh the uh, uh the altar a stage nobody wow. had called it a stage before we were the first people to call the congregation an audience you see we we changed we we pivoted that experience um, we had gone out and done a survey on wow. uh, for people. If you if you wanted to know who God was, what's the first thing you would want to do? I'd go to church. Well, tell us why you wouldn't go to church. I wouldn't go to church because I don't like them to make I don't like them uh, making me sing songs. I don't like them asking for uh, for money. I don't like them 
noticing you. I don't want to be stood up and introduced yourself, and I don't want to be shaking people's hands. So right. we created the entire church around what we call anonymous Harry. So so when you came to Willow, uh, there was there was no singing. We sang on the stage, but we entertained you in a sense. Wow. Uh, there was no asking for money. There was no letting you uh, making you stand up. Uh, there, uh, you could come and go and be anonymous. Wait, you didn't ask for money. You didn't. No. You didn't preach Malachi three. No, 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 no. Oh, look at who's here. I'm going to introduce you to my wife. Oh, wonderful. This is my wife. This is the Debbie I was talking about. Hi. She a must be years. a saint. I must be a saint. <laughs> I stuck with him for a long time. No, she has she has early onset uh, Alzheimer's. So she every day I get to introduce myself to her. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. I'm gonna tell you something though. Take a moment. Um, a lot of people should not stay married because the relationships are incompatible. Yeah. Um, but some like us, we have gone through more crap just as a couple because we're so different. And I don't yeah. mean weird stuff. I don't mean like affairs. I just mean we're just so incompatible. We can get into an argument on what kind of toothpaste. You know, we're just <laughs> different people. Um, but we have weathered through that <laughs> more. I mean, I mean, and now we're really probably the best place of our well i don't know we'll probably argue about that one <laughs> um but 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 what happens is you live your life in these seasons yeah right right some seasons your relationship is just crap I and mean, it doesn't work other seasons it's great yeah and so for us you know uh raising children everything was is was just a place where our, our gifts melted together yeah. and now we got all these grandkids running on the house because the families are so close and uh, and we love it. And so we found that after putting up with all that crap, we're in, we're in the best season of our marriage. Look, there's Sandra Spurgeon on here with us. Oh, yeah. Hey, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Okay, I'm gonna go. Okay, well, I'm gonna let right. Debbie go. Because nice meeting you, Debbie. I, I have her watching. I'm, hey, Debbie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always nice when people love Tom. So. I love Tom. He's amazing. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you. So, 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 and so was De Debbie was with you during the Willow Creek yeah. time. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. And, and so, so and, you, and, and in fact, in fact, uh, the very first meeting, I, uh, uh, one of our very first, uh, 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 all staff meetings, we had 200, 200 people were in the room, all these staff and, uh, we're sitting there and, uh, 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 because we're just making all these positions official now, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just, okay, we're going to have Tom be the executive pastor. Don Cousins going to be this, but. And so I have our first all staff meeting and the secretary knocks on the door and says, uh, Tom needs to come to the phone. There's a phone call for him. And then Bill says, we're in a staff meeting. Tell his <laughs> wife he'll call back. And she says, no, uh, he needs to come now. His son has just driven the car through the garage door of his grandparents' house. Oh, gosh. I go, oh, no. And so I, I get up and, 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 Debbie, uh, and Bill yells, at, yells out to me, how old's your son? And I said, two. He had crawled, Debbie had gotten out to run into the grand, like her parents' house. He got out of his car seat, crawled over the top, pulled this thing down, and the car just idled all the way in and knocked the garage door down, came down on the car. So, uh, yeah. So, we had the family going back then. Wow. Yeah. Good times. Wow. So, so how long now? And, and again, you said Willow, Cree, Willow Creek quickly became one of the, the largest church in the world. 
Um, how how quickly? Within a year, six months, two years? Well, like I said, it it, it became it, you know, we didn't keep track like that. I mean, once we hit about thirty five hundred four thousand by the time we moved into the to the to the um to the facility, yeah. you know, hundred acres, you know, seventy five hundred seat, you know, a Broadway style auditorium. Wow, you know, there's nothing like it in the world. And um wow. uh, so by that time we were already the largest. So it's like once you get once you get bigger, then it just, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy, man, because back then, uh, 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 like the phone system we had, it didn't have uh, lines in it. Yeah. So, uh, like in my office, I had seven phones on my desk, seven lines. And oh and so it, it was every day I'd be on all seven phones at the same time, every day. So if you came into my office... There was the phones with the wires because people who were younger don't remember that we had the, the receiver hooked up by wires. So there yeah. were wires on you and you'd pick up phones. And, but the thing is, because it was so big, you had you had celebrities on the phone because people wanted wow. to come. Uh, 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 I mean, uh, quarterbacks. I mean, baseball. Wow. Players. It was it was it was hard. It was really hard to have any healthy perspective. Wow, what you were doing, and who God was, because be when God becomes your business, um, weird things happen to you. And 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 you, and you were the executive, like you were the the main dude, right? The head, oh, well, the executive. Said, yes, Bill was the main guy, but oh. but everybody was concerned because Bill's um, uh, nobody's listening to this, right? So this is just between me and you. It's just uh, you and I. Uh, yeah. But but Bill's dad and his uncles had died like in their forties, and forties, mm -hmm. fifty. I mean, very early. Yeah. And so there was always a real concern that uh, that uh, a, a church did not stress Bill out too much, and he stayed healthy. Got it. And so um, that was why we created these positions right out of the blocks: executive pastor and and yeah. Don yeah. brought in. I think Don was an administrative pastor because we were trying to pull as much of this stuff off of bill and yeah. manage. And so bill would take off like three months every summer and he'd disappear, you know, to wow. try to get himself, you know, where he needed to be. And he, Bill's a good guy. He, he, uh, he made yeah. a lot of good decisions. So, so you, you, here you were in your, your twenties, you find yourself as the executive pastor of the largest church in the world. And, um, I gotta, I gotta ask, like, was there, did you find yourself in the middle of, um, any kind of ego tripping going on? Maybe not you necessarily, but maybe it's, you. It's a complete ego trip. It's a complete ego trip. Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember Bill called me in the office one day and he's, he's really just a few months older than me, but, yeah. but he was from the get-go, he, he really had a lot of crap together. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he come in the office and said, hey, I was having playing racquetball this morning, you know, with one of my buddies. And he mentioned that he had stopped you and Beaver on the way to the office for speeding, you know, and that he let you off because, you, you know, you mentioned that you were a little, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned about, oh, come on, man, you can't be using this for that. You know what I mean? So so wow. we were we were always kind of trying to be careful of it. But yeah. Look at when you're 25 and you got all that stuff going, and it, it's more, it's 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 as much as anything, the fact that when you're in these spots, and it's not just you don't have to have, you know, 25,000 people coming to your church. You can have 90 people coming to your church. You know, yeah. there are 346,000 churches in the country. 
90% of them are, are under 100 people. Hold and it. 346,000? Yeah, 346,000 churches, 26,000 Catholic churches. So wow. there's over 300, there about 375,000 churches in the country. And, um, uh, and they all hate each other. You know, so that's what that's why the culture is so funny. But um, but I don't care if you're standing in front of 50 people on a Sunday morning or you're standing in front of 7,500 people six times. It uh, uh, it's an unusual culture anywhere where one person runs the show. Yeah. One person tells you what to think, what movies to go do, what books to read, how high your dress needs to be, what TV shows you need to watch, whether the woman can say this, whether the man can say uh, that's an odd culture. Uh, when nobody's pushing back and nobody else has a voice. And wow. so, um, uh, yeah. And so it, it breeds, I think a certain, um, and, and by the way, you get a chance to do this every Sunday morning, you get a chance to stand up and say, uh, this is what God wanted me to tell you this week. Yeah. That's a, that's a strong thing to say. So, uh, yeah, yeah I think the, 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 the culture, uh, uh, needs to be, uh, uh, shaken up a bit. So um, now you're no longer with Willow Creek Church. Um, how long were you there? There about three years, and then I had another aha moment. Okay. Um, well, three years when I was up there, we were actually in the building, and um, but the aha moment was that we would bring uh, 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 celebrities and you know influential people in to do our staff meeting every every other week, uh, and. Um, and so I had arranged, I'd heard about this guy uh, named Ralph Matson, uh, and he and his partner were shaking things up on the idea of gifts, on what people did and how they did it and uh, what it meant. And I thought, he sounds fascinating. So, uh, and I heard he was a Christian and I heard he's a little weird. So that's the guy we want. So I arranged A him. little weird. And, and so I, I, I yeah, because we didn't like God talk. I mean, I mean, out of the 200 plus staff we had, uh, myself and one other person were the only people out of 200 people that had even been to seminary. Oh, you had asked me before about I had to drop out of Trinity when I when we actually got the official position created, because back then, uh, during the early years, Willow Creek was considered the Antichrist, um, uh, that the that the rest of the faith community uh, believed that we were doing something wrong and it sold out to the dark wow. in order to attract all these people. <clears throat> wow. And so um, uh, you couldn't even, I mean, I, I, I can tell you a half a dozen of my family relatives that called me the Antichrist when I was on staff there, who were Christians going to other churches. Say. What? Yeah, it was pretty brutal. So um, what, how would Joel Osteen take that? <laughs> oh, well, Joel's, Joel's got his own Disney World going, buddy. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so I brought Ralph out and I, and I, Went to pick him up at the airport, came out to the car, and he sat, he sat in, and he had a long face, and he was about maybe almost 60 years old, but he looked older. He looked older. I mean, I'm 68. He doesn't look anything like, you know, like my 68-year-old friends. Like, I mean, wow. he was, but he's about 60 years old, comes out, sits in the car, long face, wire rim glasses, just a little bit of hair here, uh, not an attractive man. And he is whistling like Beethoven or some stuff looking yeah. out the window. It doesn't say I could hardly a word to me all the way out to the church. And I'm thinking, Oh, this is going to be a disaster. 
This is just going to be, and I'm going to get reamed by 200 pe people yeah. wasting their lunch. And so Ralph, you know, is introduced to the crowd. Now I'm sitting there thinking, how can I, how can I turn this from an hour to 20 minutes and get right. them off? Right. So I save some money. And Ralph begins to speak. And it's been 40 years. And he broke my heart and he broke everybody's heart because what he did is he took us into an empty space and reintroduced us to what God was. Wow. And I don't think I breathed for the hour. And, and where he settled was, you understand, when you're in a church, and you're teaching everything else, the, the message is sort of taken out of the Bible, right? Which is yeah. God, uh, God's made a mistake here or something. Something's not right. He's not happy with what you've become. You know, you were born bad. You're bad still. You know, uh, Paul causes dung. Paul causes shit. Paul, Paul says that God needs a do-over. He needs you to be born a second time. He's going to do this completely uh, as a fresh start. Uh, you need to repent and own the fact that you're garbage. These are words right out of the right out of the Bible, and yeah. that God's going to remake you, and in remaking you, you're going to vanish, and it's going to be all Jesus and none of you because you mess things up. And I preached that for years, and that's what we built our churches. That's what almost every church in the country builds their church around that. Yeah, and so here's this guy. Who's telling you that the first thing you need to understand is that God loves you so much that there is nothing about you that he would change. <laughs> that just blows up every freaking thing. You know? You're like, all right, we gotta shut the church down, y'all. <laughs> oh, and and that and that his joy is buried in your joy. And that, and that you've been designed with particular attributes and strengths and gifts that just like a garden, you walk out in the garden in your backyard and you got tulips that come up early and you got uh, roses that last for a long time. You got roses of Sharon's that bloom all the way through the fall. You got all these, 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 these gifts, these, these designs that are there for a purpose. And that you can find them out, you can understand them, and knowing all the time that when you are doing the very thing that God has designed you to do, man, it is it is it is the very best thing in the universe. And it broke me. It it just broke me. And so I followed him out like a little dog, call him up, <laughs> call him up next, you know, next week and said, I I I did that, do you let anybody work with you? Because I would love to work with you. Wow. And so he said, well, the first thing is, is that we need to understand what you do, what your gifts are. And so uh, his, their way of doing this, and they work for NASA. I mean, they work for DuPont, some of the biggest organizations, and they charge thousands of dollars to take people through a process, wow. basically, which was, in, which was talking to you about the things you like to do the most. What do you enjoy the most? Um, give me some stories when you're a kid. Give me some stories when you're in high school. Give me some stories when you're young. They don't have to be important. They don't have to be significant. Uh, wow. Maybe there's a fort you built when you were a kid, lemonade stand that you ran. 
and they would talk to you about, okay, so how did you do this? How did you do that? What did you enjoy most about it? And through the process, they would be able to create a language that describes you. And so he took me through this process. And uh, again, another aha. Because in that process, he, uh, I was able to see everything that I did wrong, everything that I messed up on, all the mistakes that I made. And rather than having the eyes of thinking I needed to change, you got to change. Can't do that. You got to change. You're wrong. I, I understood that they were my gifts at the wrong time. Mm. It, it, it's it's be like a, 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 a trumpet that stands up uh, at the wrong section uh, of this. Yeah. And he starts playing his trumpet. And the goes, wait, 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 wait. You got to yeah. sit down. This isn't your time. You know? Yeah, you right. Up. But, but I, I wow. want your trumpet, but you have to get in sync with the rest of us. And it was so life-changing I mean, it was just and so i i worked with ralph for a number of years uh wow and, uh, well, uh, so so okay so um wow questions um there are i mean you know what cognitive dissonance is sure. right um it runs rampant in 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 our society um so what do you say because people are you know i i was raised in a pentecostal church i was you know um and and there were strict rules about things um nicely done <laughs> and and you know i think that that what what do you say to the people who are who were raised in, in whatever environment that, that, you know, they're hearing you say, wait a minute, you mean God's not mad at me? You mean God, God's not like, so you're saying God is, is this, this, this thing that's opposite of what most Christian churches are teaching. Is that what you're saying? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, see, the thing is, I'm not saying anything. You're not true. Because it does, it's not the point. Uh, 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 that's the old thinking. I'm not here to convince anybody or persuade anybody, uh, or tell them right. if they're right or wrong. Uh, I have entered a space that for me is an authentic space. Um, I only know the space. I only know what it's like to feel him. I only know what it's like to have his breath on my shoulder. I only know what it's like to reach out to do something and realize that it's not my hand, but it's his hand. Mm. I only know that. I only know that sometimes I can reach for the wrong things. <laughs> I can't slam it. But I only know this. Right. I only can tell you that the my reaction to that is that I have awaken into the shocking reality that I love people. You do. And, 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 and it, so it somehow comes with the thing. It comes with the thing. So I don't, I, I, I don't need you to think anything. I don't need you to believe like I believe. I don't ever, not going to walk away from you thinking, well, I got to work on that person. Um, I find that somehow the, the more you enter this space, this empty space, the uh, and get rid of all you, with the things you thought you knew, 
that what is there is the thing. It's the thing. And and it's like walking, you know, if if the if you're going to go into the studio of an artist, um, if you put a canvas on the easel that has art on it already, and then you ask the artist to draw, he'll leave the he'll leave the studio. What, what is, you, know, you have to give him a blank canvas. And that's where the creation happens. And yeah. so I've discovered that if I wake up every morning and show up to life with a blank canvas, that this God thing, which is so much bigger than we could ever, ever, ever imagine, he writes on it every day. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Wow. So, and so in that space, you become big enough for everybody. And um, which is sort of awkward because so many of my friends, you know, who are believers, you know, yeah. um, they, they've been sort of raised and bred in a culture that's defined by what you, who you don't like, who you don't agree with. Whether you believe this or believe that, again, like we said before, skirts are too high, too small, gay marriage, TV, movies, whatever, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so, if you're not judging somebody, the reaction usually is, "So you're not a Christian anymore," you know. <laughs> and so, and so, <laughs> it's awkward and it's hard. You know? Even though there's scripture that says, "Judge ye not, lest ye be judged." Uh, so, you know, I think that that I mean, you're spot on on, and from my opinion, not that you care about my opinion. I think whether, you're wrong. So, I whether mean, right, right, whether <laughs> whether whether you know, and that's 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 really. I mean, look, man. I think that it's a a freeing thing to be. Um, not concerned with what everybody else thinks about your opinion. <laughs> well, let's go back to the question you asked me. So what do you think? I, I, I mean, or what's your feeling when you talk to people and they may or may not agree? Actually, it's this, is that I will find almost always, for instance, there are people right now who are listening to us who are turning it off right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are people right now who are listening to us who are weeping. See, it just all depends on where you're at in your journey and whether or not you can empty up and whether or not you can. Uh, the most important word I, just, I, I found in my lifetime, maybe, is about 10 years, years ago, I was introduced to a word, word called liminal. Called ever, what? Ever heard of the word liminal? L-I-M-E-N-A-L. -E liminal. No. You've heard of it before. It's buried in another word. It's buried in the word subliminal. Oh, there is a concept out there called the liminal space. And again, this changed my life uh, because I, I was living in something that I couldn't understand, a space I couldn't understand because, because living in this sacred space means you have to continue to let go of what you, what you, think, you, what you think you knew. And in this in this spiritual space we live in, we drive around with bumper stickers, you know. And I mean, we 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 codify everything, you know. Yeah. And um and so the liminal space is, and I tell you, any of the listeners can Google liminal when we're done. They will have hundreds of pages on liminal. It's the it's amazing. And the liminal space is the space between what you know and what you're about to know. 
So when you let go of an idea yeah. and you reach for a new idea, yeah. there's a there's a space in between those two because yeah. you're not holding on. To, you have to let it go for the new idea. That space is actually called something. It's called the liminal space. Wow. Um, a lot of creative people live there, you know, or, or visit it, you know, because they have to let go of everything and whatever and they, they show yeah. up. Um, and, uh, and, and, and most people find it, it's, it's a panic space because if they don't believe something, <gasps> what are they supposed to believe? See, and, and so they immediately jump to another belief. So they just go from handhold to handhold because they got to think something right. Yeah. Um, and so as I began to understand that space more, I began to intentionally build a house in that space. And so I, uh, and so there's nothing that brings me more joy. I find in my own life personally to be in this space and drink the oxygen of the emptiness of it, because you know, what's in the space. God's in the space. I, I remember hearing Dr. Wayne Dyer, who is one of my favorite authors. You're off screen, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, he, I think he wrote a book called In the Gap. And, and he talks about the, the, the space be the, between your thoughts and, and going there and meditating to get there and, and um, that that's where God is. And 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 he 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 made one of the the, the most beautiful um, metaphors for that that I think I've ever heard, and that is the beauty in music is the space that exists between the notes. Yeah. And 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 people don't don't realize that they don't, and it's you know for a variety of reasons, right? I, I mean could be programming could be that they're just there they don't know how to shut their mind down or slow it down um and and so so you've like uh, you're well i mean you and i have have recently become friends we and, love each other forever yes and 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 i i was the first conversation i had with you i was like what just happened to my world? Like it, it was, it was amazing. Um, but you know, I, um, you've also written a lot of stuff, like a lot of books. You've done a lot of amazing things. Do you want to touch on any of that? Um, uh, 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 I, 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 I yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it from this standpoint. <clears throat> that is that I, uh, early on, I wrote some books about, uh, gifts. Uh, I wrote about uh, uh, raising uh, raising children who are unique. Uh, my first book came out called Born to Fly, which is about raising children who are unique. It came out exactly at the same time uh, of another popular book called Raising Kids God, God's Way. And Raising Kids God's Way was the ultra disciplinarian, children don't talk unless spoken to, you know, the spankings, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And so they would often position us opposite <laughs> on radio interviews and stuff because oh, we wow. had exactly polar opposite views. Wow. And then, um, uh, and then I wrote another book called uh, uh, about uh, kicking a kid out of the nest, which had to do with uh, with uh, uh, working with your children or seeing your children as 
actual creations. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're the only country in the world that has a term called adolescence, uh, which is this weird space that doesn't exist, actually, where we treat young adults as children, you know. Um, and it's a kind of goofy, you know, uh, we don't regard them. We don't respect their issues, their, their wishes, their passions. And so it's kind of, um, uh, so I wrote some books on that. And then, uh, uh, along the way, started helping other people on their projects at different yeah. points. And, um, and so I started doing a lot of ghostwriting and, uh, and then about uh, four years ago, I created a series. I wanted something in the, uh, in the kids space because I hadn't done anything, anything specifically in there. And so. I created a series called Harry Moon, The Amazing Adventures of Harry Moon. It's about an eighth grade kid who lived in a fictional town called Sleepy Hollow that was under a Halloween thing. Every day they woke up, it was Halloween. So I wrote 26 books in that. Wow. Uh, that series and became like the number one middle school book in the country, series in the country. Wow. The pandemic, the pandemic shut down of the schools, and that was a big deal. Uh, and then most importantly, you know, I'm now in a partnership with Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup with the Soul. Yeah. Uh, co-authored it and uh, yeah. has, I don't know, a dozen Guinness World Book Records. He sold almost 700 million books all in and everything else. But we yeah. started a boutique publishing company, the Mark yeah. Victor Hanson Library, and we actually write books now, yeah. stories for uh, individuals all over the world. And yeah. uh, I'm just having a ball. I'm just, I'm just loving life. And I'm blessed to be part of that. I, I'm, 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 I'm bringing, bringing some, some folks in. So, uh, you know, dude, you are, um, I mean, I, I honestly, the very first time I talked to you, I'm like, I, I, I've known this guy my entire life. Like we, we were best friends in high school. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it was that I, 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 that's what I felt like. I was no, just, I, know, I feel the same way. I, I was, it was I you $100 in high school that I'm waiting back. I, I well with interest I think it's getting up there. But you know, so so Tom, let me ask you a question because huh, you're 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 the king of questions. Um but I I want to ask you this. People people go through life. We go through life and I love the saying that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, which is true. Um but people go through life and they have crap happen, bad things happen, or they make poor, really screwed up decisions and do stupid things. That would be me. And, and, or they get fat or they get, they get, they, they smoke cigarettes for too long and get sick or they, you know, just whatever, like all these things that people run into in life and, 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 and we have a tendency of getting stuck and staying stuck and dying in that story eventually. What do you think, in your opinion, Christian, non-Christian, I, I don't care what re yeah. religious yeah. value, but yeah. what do you think is keeping most people stuck financially and from, from having real spiritual freedom yeah. in life? Sure. And I'm giving you full screen for this. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that it is, um, it's that they are walking around with an embarrassment of riches that are falling out of their pocket and they don't know. They don't know. They're, there's too much noise. There's too much distraction. I'm going to give you a, two or three stories to show you what I mean. And every one of these stories 
broke me. Wow. Um, uh, the first one is uh, about the three years ago, uh, maybe five years ago now, maybe five years ago. I had uh, I flown a bunch of people in Chicago, about 90, uh, 90 influencers, pastors, ministry people. I wanted to find out what made them tick, you know, what they were looking to do with the church in the 21st century, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and you know how when, you know, you've been involved in things like that. They exhaust you when you're done. And, um, yeah. and so when I got done, I came home and told Debbie, who you just saw, I said, hey, I know you want to, I know you need a winter coat. Let's go to Woodfield Mall, a huge mall. Uh, There's but, my wife on the screen, by the way. Uh, oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, you married up. Nice shop. So, <laughs> um, so uh, 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 I said, I'll go to I'll go to Woodfield with you. I won't bring my phone. And I'll just uh, go with you while you buy a, a thing because I'm just exhausted. I, I, you know, I'm just tired. She goes, okay, great, great. So we go to Woodfield. It's like four levels. You know, we go into the top level and we look down. Uh, you know, on the the floor below and way down there is the santa claus village which he just built because it was just after around thanksgiving time and um <clears throat> and you could see the train going around in the big santa castle little santa this big down there you know and uh and i say to debbie um can you just not feel him up here i mean when i walked in, i could feel him do you not feel him and she said no i don't feel him. <laughs> and i said i gotta go down and talk to him and she oh. says what? She goes, what are you going to say to him? I said, I don't know. I just got to talk to him. She said, you said you weren't going to do anything. And I said, I don't know what to tell you. I just need to go. So she said, well, I'm not going. She said, I'm going to go to the bathroom at McDonald's here and I'll wait for you here. So I take the three escalators down. Now I'm standing in line in the Santa line with all these other kids and parents. I get up to the two adult elves, you know, and they're looking around and I go, uh, I go, no, it's just me. I want to talk to Santa. I go, well, why? I said, I don't know. I just, I want to talk to them. Well, they go huddle up over there and they come back. Okay, go into the snow globe. So I go into this big snow globe and all this dust blowing around and all these little kids are running around who freeze like this when I walk in. Yeah. It's not supposed to be an adult there with them. Yeah, right. And then and then there's a, a, another elf sticks her head out of the other side and say, okay, it's your turn. So now I'm out and I'm standing on the red carpet. Some a, a, an elf with a camera comes up. You want to take your picture? No, no, I don't want a picture. I just want to talk to them. <laughs> So now I'm standing in front of Santa. The last kid leaves. I'm standing in front of Santa. He's sitting on a bench. And Woodfield pays the big bucks to get the Santa. Yeah. Woodfield, I mean, the guy is gloriously Santa. <laughs> and I stand in front of him. And he's doing this. He's, he's looking around to see where my kids Where's are. Where's the kid? I said, I don't have any kids. And he kind of just sits up because he doesn't know what's next. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. And so I just open my mouth and I say, I just want you to know that I pointed way up there. I said, I just came in up there. Yeah. And um, when I came in and looked down, my heart jumped when I saw you. I said, I'm 60. At that point, it's like 62, right? I said, I'm 62 years old. And I just want you to know as you're sitting down here and you're wondering about 10 o'clock in the morning whether this is worth the money and all these kids are sneezing on you and blah, 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 that I want you to know that for some of us, you're the first person that told us outside of our parents that somebody loved us. You're the first person that we felt that we mattered to somebody. And that for some of us never leaves us. And so he looks up at me. And he scoots over on his bench and he says, here, sit down. <laughs> so I sit down next to him on the bench. 
and I look over, and there are these wet. He's 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 crying. He's and wow. I can see all these little drops on his red pants. So then I start crying, and then you know how those few times in your life where you've sobbed from a very deep place, yeah, where where the crying is not crying. It's it's this. It's this cleansing, connecting with something that's authentic. It's almost holy. And we're weeping. We're just <laughs> weeping. You and, and Santa. You're like this. And it went on for like a minute. Um, and then finally, you know, he reaches over and puts his hand on my knee, white glove. And he says, so what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> I said, nothing, man. I just wanted to tell you. So I wow. And we hugged each other. And then I turned around and I looked up. Now, Woodfield's this huge mall. And it just goes like this, four <laughs> levels. And every square inch are people looking down, trying to figure out what. <laughs> and then I look up at the very top and I see Debbie, who's this big. And I, I can still see her. She's going like this. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. I reached, so push, I reached to push the gate open. And Kenny, I remember this like it happened eight seconds ago. I pushed the gate open and I could see the bones in my hand. I, I, and, I, and I realized that in that moment I'd gotten, because I went into this empty space, I didn't, I didn't know what was in it. But I went into it and I, I, I became involved in this divine dance in whatever is behind all of this wanted, had an intention, needed, whatever, what do you want to call it, wanted to show itself to that guy. And I got in the middle of that. Wow. And, and it, it, I'm, I'm positive that guy will tell you about that experience if we could find him today. And I will tell you, it left a residue in me. I, I, for a month, for a month, I felt like that I had come out of some divine, it was the most sacred experience of my life. Wow. And now, now the funny thing is, I was trying wow. to figure it out. I didn't understand. So what had happened? What had happened? What had happened? So about a month later, I cut my, I, I'm getting into a car and I cut my hand, my finger on a, on a piece of cardboard, uh, putting a box in the car, bleeding like a sucker. And so I, I drive by an Ace Hardware down the road. And I pull in, I walk in and I say, I need a Band-Aid. Can I get a Band-Aid? Sure. Uh, there's a person who needs a Band-Aid up front. <laughs> I'm going, oh, So now the manager comes up. You know, uh, can I help you? I need a, I just need a Band-Aid. That's all I need is a Band-Aid. Okay. Okay, let me get one for you. Disappears in a door in an office. Comes out yeah. with a Band-Aid. So I hold my hand out like this. And he starts taking the paper off the Band-Aid. Oh, this is interesting. So, okay. so I hold out my hand for the Band-Aid. Now he's pulling those little plastic things off. <laughs> so I hold my finger out and he wraps the Band-Aid around my finger. You know, I'm thinking, oh, well, thank you very much. I wasn't expecting that, you know. So I get in the car, walk out, get in the car, look at my Band-Aid finger. And I turn my car on. I turn my car off. Get out of the car, walk back into Ace Hardware. I say, where's that manager at? He's back in the paint. So I walk back and he's in the paint now. He's putting paint on the shelves. Yeah. And I said, hey, 
He goes, you need another bandaid? Turns around. <laughs> He's a big guy. He's a big yeah. guy. Yeah. And I said, no, I just wanted to tell you that um, if I had gone to Home Depot, they would have just handed me a bandaid. I said, I wanted you to know that it mattered to me. You put that bandaid on my finger. And he just collapsed and wept. Wow. Just wept. So I hug him in the aisle. I walk out and I go, this is how, so, so how many times do I have to go through this to understand that there are all these moments? I mean, there's all these moments. I mean, go sit in church if you want. Go sit in Bible studies if you want. But this is where this God thing is. You get in between the thing and these humans to, to, to make sense of their experience for them, to call the, out their gifts and affirm what they are. Because that guy did it because that's what he does. See? Wow. <laughs> what he does, you know. Um, and then and then um, the last one, which is just a, it's kind of thing, is I was coming back from Wisconsin from a speaking gig about three years ago. And, um, you know, you're coming back to Wisconsin, everything's like 60 miles an hour. And you know, you know, two lanes. Zoom. So yeah. I zip around a corner. <laughs> zip around a corner. I pass a lemonade stand, which is like having a lemonade stand on a freeway. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. there's uh, uh, maybe about a, a ten-year-old girl, maybe a six-year-old little boy, and there's they're, they're standing, you know, next to their lemonade stand, and you whip by it, and you go, "What's that lemonade stand?" You know. <laughs> um, and then I'm thinking. That's what these moments look like. You never know what, what these moments look like. You have to be present. Yeah. You got to be present. So going on like two exits, like three miles, turn around, come all the way back, get off, come back again, slow down because I know the corner's coming up. And there's a, a road into like a little, like maybe five house little subdivision thing. So I pull into the thing. And the minute I start slowing down, you see these kids. <laughs> I mean, because they think uh, that what's he doing what's he doing so i pull into the road right next to the lemonade stand and i i slow my car down and stop the car i'm looking at my rear mirror they are oh my god <laughs> they're getting their glasses ready they're getting lemonade ready you know and and so now i'm looking do i have any money because i don't carry cash yeah so, oh man all i got is a 20 <laughs> sucks so i get out of the car i walk over and i go can i have some lemonade Oh yes! Oh yes! Oh yes! So they're giving me lemonade, and uh, and I go, uh, uh, "Is it okay if I pay you twenty dollars for this?" <laughs> I mean, they're they're actually physically shaking, okay. Um, uh, and then I take a couple selfies with them, you know, because you know, for you know, and uh, which I probably shouldn't have done because uh, that's stalking. Um, but <laughs> but the point is, is that um, when I got in the car, I know that they will never forget that the rest of their life. And in fact, uh, last summer, my, my, uh, uh, my grandson put a lemonade stand together and, uh, uh, and he was sitting out in front of his house and a lot of walkers walked by their house. I, I bet a hundred people walked by, waved at him. And I was just going, gosh, they don't understand. I, I now stop at every lemonade stand. I carry money in my car and th there is not a lemonade stand I will pass. Yeah. Because there is something about entering a person, a, a, a person's space, yeah. and acknowledging and regarding. And I mean, oh my gosh, this lemonade is great! How did you build this stand? You know, oh, oh, do you enjoy this? What do you enjoy the most about this? And it calls their gift out. 
and it has the power to to shape their life. So so I would say to the answer of your question is it's not. Uh, I, I say you don't look at what's keeping you, what's preventing you. You don't, you know, all those things. What don't you know? You, you go to the other side of the street, which is you come into an experience that swallows all of that up, mm. swallows it up. Um, uh, and there isn't anybody listening to us say that will have not have 10 opportunities. It may be somebody at Whole Foods. It may be uh, uh, the person that you and you walk in uh, to get gas. Uh, it may be your neighbor you're walking out. It doesn't matter. You get in between them and the God thing, yeah. and it electrifies you. And and what you find is the residue of it yeah. is you love people. You love them. You authentically love them. And it's a credible fuel. And I know my wife who's watching is sitting here feeling this too. Two years ago, my my then nine-year-old daughter said she wanted to do a lemonade stand. Mm. And we live in a in a in a cul-de-sac, not much traffic. And um I said, Well, behind our house, we have this big privacy fence with a gate, and there's a really busy intersection there where everybody has to stop. It's right at the corner of our house. I said, do the lemonade stand out there. I'll open the gate and put it right there. They have to stop. And she's a gymnast, right? And she's like, she's a dancer and a gymnast. And so she's out there like with a sign. She's doing backhand springs. She's to get anybody to stop. She gives police officers free lemonade and people are coming up. And a couple of people came up, gave her $20 because she just was out there with this energy and and she she made two hundred dollars in a couple of hours. I know. I said, "Honey, can I have a loan?" She's like, "No, go sell your own lemonade." So, but like, I I think that the impact that we can have on the world is what people are missing. It's 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 that it's being present and in that moment with that other human that wants acknowledgement for, well, for being here. The thing is reach past <clears throat> the impact word because it's not about having impact. It's, 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 it's about authentically showing up. Yeah. To of somebody else. Yeah. You know, um, it's funny that I have a picture <clears throat> that I was taking. Uh, I, I took my uh, grand, my grandson to the park about two summers ago and you know these parks they have these uh forts in them and everything you know yeah, yeah, yeah. lights that come down and there's like a there's like a, 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 a like a deck that you walk up to and then from the deck you know you go up to the slide or you go here or whatever yeah so i so i started talking to connor connor walks over and uh he was running and so i started asking what he was enjoying most about what he was doing what he was playing on and he started to tell me because I always ask my kids, what do they enjoy the most? Because that's that's the magic answer. What do you enjoy most about what you just did? What do you enjoy most? And so within about, I bet, three minutes, there are like nine other children from about five to about seven that are all crowded onto this little this little deck talking to me. So I'm talking to them. They're all, and it's it's like a rock wall thing. One of them is like sitting down. Another one, they're all different heights, you know, and, and um. I thought nothing about it, except that's what happens because uh, 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 I connect really well with children because 
uh, just the way I move. And uh, later in the afternoon, <laughs> I get this text from my daughter. And it's like, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? And so she sends me a picture <laughs> of me talking to these kids. Dad, you're on the Arlington Heights Neighborhood Watch uh, website. <laughs> Someone's posted this picture and wants to know who's the guy talking to all the kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dad, you can't be doing this. You can't be talking to other people's kids. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fun to be me. But that's what that's what it's it's my wife's quoting you. It's it's about authentically showing up for someone else. You know, I I, I do think that and I'm guilty of it. Um, you know, we live in such a busy world now. You know, when I was a kid, we went out and rode our, our little little bicycles until the streetlights came on and and and, you know, and gotten yelled at for not being home before this or after the street light it's dark (laughs) i know right (laughs) right but you know now it's a different world and everybody's busy and social media and and everything that's going on and and i think that um this is a message that needs to be heard and that is slow down and and authentically show up for other people and and I, i love that and i love you and i love your message and everything that you stand for, man, you're, you're, you're one of my favorite people now. And, and we just met like, well, you've always been my favorite person. So. Right. One of my favorite people. Always. Always. Ever since we met yeah. last week. There's no such thing as time. Time is linear. Mm. We live inside of a, a bubble that has no sense of that. Yeah. That's why, that, that's why, <clears throat> that's why I feel like I recognized you. Yeah. You know, when they met. Because yeah. inside of our space, there's you know, yeah, um, and 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 uh, uh, that this is kind of what I try to bring when we do our books, <clears throat> because I uh, we turn a lot of our stories, a lot of our our stories into these types of stories, you know, where people can uh, uh, I, I you know we'll do self help books when we have to, but I much prefer telling stories that inspire like this. Yeah, you know. And uh, it's just very gratifying. I love it. I, I, I get I get to live the dream. And now Amazing. I have a Walls t-shirt on, which even makes it better. You have a Ken Walls t-shirt. I wear it in the shower. As you should. As you should. Tom, you're awesome, man. I, I, I'm really grateful that you um, came on and spent time sharing your love and your heart. That's sure. very sweet for you to ask me. Thank you so much. I'm 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 beyond grateful. We're we're, we're going to do some amazing things together, my friend. We just did, baby. I know we did. We just did. I love you so much, and I I appreciate the I appreciate uh, your willingness to um, uh, to cater to your to the selfishness of your gift because you love this. You I do love, love this. facilitating other people, uh, getting them connected, uh, giving them voice. Uh, that's a gift. And you just you can't be doing a better job of it than you're doing it right now. So great job. Great wow. Job. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you I appreciate you. Thank you. Say how do you All right. I will stay on here with me. Okay, I will. And and um thank you to everybody who's watched. Share this out and um help somebody else today. Um my wife has final words. 
Tom, incredible words of wisdom. Let's hope everyone puts into action in their world what you shared from yours. Wow. Thank you, babe. That's amazing. All right. Hey, we'll see you guys later. Have a great day, Tom. Thanks so much. Fair enough. All right.